0: You're listening to a Music and Talk episode where full songs and talk segments play together only on Spotify. Best of all, you can create your own music and talk show for free with Anchor, Spotify's podcasting platform. Get started at anchor.fm slash musicandtalk. That's A-N-C-H-O-R dot F-M slash M-U-S-I-C-A-N-D-T-A-L-K. A lot of spelling there, but just do it.
1: This episode is brought to you by 20th Century Studios, Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. As a ruthless king builds his empire at the expense of the remaining human race, a young ape will fight for the future of apes and humans alike. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Enter the kingdom in IMAX this Friday and in theaters everywhere, get tickets now. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with $25,000 Tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit JiffyLube.com.
0: For Posterity, the number one song in America on January 1st, 1990, Was Phil Collins Another Day in Paradise, a somber ballad about homelessness, about gratitude, about empathy? An awfully cold cup of coffee for a giddy new decade. One time I was riding shotgun driving with my mom running errands or whatever, listening to the radio. I'm 11 or 12 years old. Like 30% of my memories from this period of my life are my mom driving me around as we listen to the radio. And another day in paradise comes on and she turns to me and says, Robbie, I want you to listen to this song. This is important. You need to appreciate what you have and show kindness and generosity to other people who aren't as lucky. For once, I kept my trap shut and listened to her. And listen to Phil.
1: Oh, think twice, it's another.
0: This was an uncommonly wholesome interaction between me, and my mother, in early 90s pop radio. More typical of these interactions was the time that Belle Bib DeVoe's Do Me came on. This was their next single after Poison. Belle Bib DeVoe's Poison is one of the best songs of the 90s just for posterity. Paradoxically, given the subject matter, it kills at weddings. All your aunts crying out, me and the crew used to do her. Oh, well. Anyways, Do Me is called Do Me. And starts like this.
2: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah.
0: Oh, yeah. And my mom, like, slapped the radio off in a panic. Just whap! Silence! In the car for an uncomfortably long time. This was pop radio in the early 90s. A spectrum that stretched from somber empathy to... Pornography and somewhere in the middle, closer to pornography than empathy, maybe, but still safely in the middle of the road, there was this. My name is Rob Harvilla. I'm a music critic at The Ringer, and this is 60 Songs That Explain the 90s. And that is the CNC Music Factory. Gonna make you sweat. Everybody dance now. Gonna make you sweat, parentheses. Everybody dance now, close parentheses. One of the biggest hits of one of the wildest eras in pop music history, in dance music history. Early 90s, pop radio was bonkers. Just chaos. A decade does not begin right away, culturally. The previous decade dissipates slowly. It can take a year or two. The future for quite a while can sound uncomfortably like the past or delightfully like the past do you know what jazzercise is got huge in the mid 80s a lot of spandex, a lot of moms. I'm sorry, that's condescending. A lot of condescension, a lot of dance music that it was never quite as vapid or pedestrian as it appeared. One way to summarize the early 90s is that upbeat dance music, including honest to God house music, could simultaneously both super mainstream and super, super weird. Which is to say that everyone and everything Got a propulsive dance beat for a while, whether they asked for one or not. An early 80s tune from folk singer songwriter Suzanne Vega got a propulsive dance beat, courtesy of an English electronic duo called DNA, and suddenly Tom's Diner is a top five hit stateside. It did even better in Europe. They had a better grasp on the nuances. In 1991, country superstar Tammy Wynette got a propulsive dance beat when she hooked up with a much, much, much weirder English electronic duo, the KLF, for a smash pop house remix of the song Justified and Ancient. The KLF's whole deal is way too confusing for me to even begin to summarize here, but just trust me, this was a total jam. they
2: have justified.
0: gregorian chants from a german choir recorded in the 70s got a propulsive dance beat courtesy of the german group enigma and suddenly sadness part one or sodness part one is a top five hit stateside that did even better in europe and beyond i loved it when this one came on the radio i would think my deepest 12 year old thoughts to sadness part one Phil Collins, for the record, reunited with his old prog rock buddies in Genesis and had another big pop hit in 1991 with a very goofy song called I Can't Dance. Chaos. The CNC Music Factory almost made sense by comparison, but there is chaos aplenty here also. Musical chaos, fashion chaos, ethical chaos, legal chaos, possibly ongoing, present tense, Legal chaos. Some people in the CNC Music Factory took the factory part a little too seriously. For example, the single most important element of Gonna Make You Sweat, the musician most responsible for it becoming an enduring smash hit, it took her quite a while to get the credit she deserved, to get the proper name recognition, to get named at all, really. I'll give you a hint it's Martha Wash. Disco, gospel, house, and radio pop diva extraordinaire. At first, it was not readily apparent to most people that this was Martha Wash's voice. You didn't see her on the album cover. You didn't see her in the video. This is absurd in retrospect. In retrospect, who the hell else could this possibly have been? It turns out that one's opinion of the factory depends on whether you own the factory or just clock in there. So first, let's meet the owners, the two C's in the CNC Music Factory. Real quick, my buddy Tommy is going to be pissed if I don't tell you that one time we were at an Oakland A's game. The A's were playing the Yankees. CC Sabathia was dealing for the Yankees and Tommy yells out, your music factory sucks. Got a huge laugh. You had to be there. Anyway, the two C's in the CNC Music Factory were Robert Clavillis and David Cole who met in the late 80s at the famed New York City dance club Better Days. Robert primarily was a DJ. David primarily played keyboards. Early on, they worked together as part of a group called Two Puerto Ricans, a Black Man and a Dominican, and then another group called the 28th Street Crew. But just as a duo, Clovilis and Cole would soon flourish as writers, as producers, as remixers, as talent scouts, as ethically dubious hitmakers and pop stars in their own right. They worked with Mariah Carey on her 1991 album, Emotions. They worked on Whitney Houston's remake of I'm Every Woman. They remixed Taylor Dane and Natalie Cole and Lisa Lisa and Cult Jam and Aretha Franklin and New Kids on the Block. They shepherded young pop house and Latin freestyle groups, including one called Seduction and another one called Trilogy. In 2016, Clavillis told Vice that he and Cole first offered Gonna Make You Sweat, the song, to Trilogy. Who turned it down? Next thing you know, he and Cole are playing an early version for Sony Columbia superstar music executives Tommy Mottola and Donny Einer. And boom, five album deal for the newly christened CNC Music Factory. Gonna make you sweat. The album came out the week before Christmas, 1990. Pictured on the cover, Glavillis, Cole, a Liberian singer model actress named Zelma Davis, and a Brooklyn rapper named Freedom Williams there's your factory. I owned this album on cassette and monster side A as cassettes go, starting with Gonna Make You Sweat and then two more minor hits. Here we go. Let's Rock and Roll kicked off with some Prince style guitar shredding and had one of those rad MTV videos set in like a sexy factory. It's a very popular tableau. Things That Make You Go, Hmm, on the other hand, was inspired by a slightly bawdy Arsenio Hall routine. It was a playful showcase for the slightly body Freedom Williams, who met Clavilis and Cole while he was working as a janitor at a studio they were using. I'm guessing Freedom was not shirtless while being a janitor, but as a minor pop star rapper, he'd be shirtless a great deal of the time and somehow sound like it. I'll
2: ask my girl, I know she only loves me. Wasn't I the one who took your virginity? The look on her face, red so and gloom, she said. Yeah, why you guys always ask me
0: and slap the radio goes off again great side a i have no memory whatsoever of playing side b of the Gonna Make You Sweat tape. Even once, no idea what's going on back there. Didn't matter. In 1990, you were golden with just three songs. Hell, you were golden with just one. And Gonna Make You Sweat, Everybody Dance Now, was the one. It was dance pop to its core, but that cut-up guitar riff sounded just rock and roll enough, I guess, to make it a crossover hit, to make it a coveted jock jam. Then and now, this song is like a giant sentient T-shirt cannon. The song hit number one on the Billboard Hot 100 in February 1991. Per Billboard, it was the third biggest song of 91 overall. After Brian Adams' Everything I Do, parentheses, I Do It For You, close parentheses, and Color Me Bad." I Wanna Sex You Up. Slap. Almost more importantly, Gonna Make You Sweat was the music cue for the single funniest Simpsons joke in history. Also involving a sexy factory. We work hard... We play hard. I was shooting pool at my college's student union once, and that episode was on TV, and a room full of people busted out laughing. It is hard to do. It is legitimately a profound artistic achievement to create a song whose first 10 seconds are immediately a punchline, almost without accompaniment, to craft a hook with that much personality, that much cultural weight. That's not a joke on them. That's a joke they're in on, not to mention financially compensated for. Even if the song always sounded campy to you, even if it's disposable, you ignore the impact of Gonna Make You Sweat at your own peril. I couldn't say how many people first heard a rapper on the radio, thanks to Gonna Make You Sweat, but it's not zero people. You will not see Freedom Williams on anybody's list of the greatest 50 or even 5,000 MCs alive, but he got the job done. The job was to sound sexy and cool, primarily to people who didn't give much of a shit about actually being sexy and cool.
2: And I'm here to, beats and to make you shake your pants take a chance. Come on and dance.
0: One of my core beliefs is that any song that rhymes pants with dance is automatically good. I don't make the rules. Okay, I made this one, but I stand
2: by it. Guys, grab a girl, don't wait, make a twirl. It's i to get a nut to move your butt.
0: I have no such position on rhyming nuts with butt. It depends. Let's leave it at that. So the CNC Music Factory are pop stars now. They anchor an entire 1992 episode of the spunky hit NBC sitcom Blossom, starring Maya Bialik as Blossom. Do not read. Mayim Bialik's parenting book. In this episode, Blossom and her best friend Six want tickets to a CNC Music Factory concert, so they camp out overnight for them. That used to be a thing. Three members of the real-life C&C Music Factory pop by, not Freedom Williams. Maybe they told him he had to wear a shirt and he refused to appear on camera. Instead, his bandmates explain to Blossom... That they're there to give front row seats to the people who got the lousiest tickets that wasn't a thing at all but blossom and six do get to dance to things that make you go hmm with the band blossom took place in a whimsical alternative sitcom universe so sure that's a thing at the 1992 edition of the American Music Awards, a sort of sub Grammys that also take place in a whimsical alternate universe, the CNC Music Factory of the Night's Big Winners snagging five awards, including Best Dance Song for Gonna Make You Sweat and Favorite Pop Slash Rock Band Slash Duo Slash Group. They are presented with the award for Favorite Dance New Artist by none other than Naughty by Nature, who opened the envelope with like a machete. My mom asked me point-blank what the Naughty by Nature song OPP really stood for. Can you imagine? I had no choice. I said it stood for other people's privates. No one is arguing I handled this well. I thought that would soften the blow. It did not. Silence. CNC Music Factory take the stage and take the trophy from Naughty by Nature. And then a very strange thing happens, which is that David Cole, after thanking God says this
2: i really am deeply grateful to you all for believing in us and not uh falling prey to to this whole lip-syncing thing because we are not a lip-sync group we are for real 100 percent and miss zelma right here can sing. and then
0: zelma sings into the microphone At the podium, where her group is receiving one of five awards, all basically for a song on which, officially, she sings. This leads one to recall another strange award show incident when the C&C Music Factory were accepting the trophy for best dance video at the 1991 MTV Video Music Awards. And Zelma thanked MTV, quote, for showing that I can sing and I am talented. End quote. What is going on here? Do you know what the Streisand effect is? When a famous person tries to debunk a rumor or suppress personal information in a way that only draws your attention to the thing they don't want you to hear about. Barbara Streisand can sing, and it has talent, by the way. Don't, don't come after me, Barbara. So the deal here, and this is obviously super pre-internet, is that word is spread that, indeed, Zelma Davis does not sing the hook on I'm Gonna Make You Sweat, Everybody Dance Now. She's on the album cover. She's sure as hell lip syncing in the award winning MTV video. She's singing the song live now, often on award shows, but that's not her on the original song. Recall that the Millie Vanilli scandal had broken right at the turn of the nineties. And so lip syncing has become a capital offense. And now Zelma Davis stands accused. So who is actually singing on Gonna Make You Sweat? It's Martha Wash. It's this woman. <laughs> Martha Wash was from San Francisco. She grew up singing gospel in her early 20s. Back in the mid-70s, she auditioned to be a backup singer for the disco star Sylvester. She got the gig, as did her friend and fellow gospel singer, Izora Armstead. They were on their way. Soon, Martha and Izora broke out as a duo, first under the name Two Tons of Fun, then as the Weather Girls, whose big hit, indeed, was the campiest song possible, Played as straight as humanly possible. It's raining men. Hallelujah. It's raining men. Amen. Fantastic. They sang back up on Bob Seeger's Like a Rock, they sang back up on Aretha Franklin's Freeway of Love. Martha Wash had the range and already had a fascinating career when she first met David Cole, who was the musical director and piano player for The Weather Girls for a while. Now, of course, David is a budding producer and pop star, and Martha starts singing demos for him as he's churning out hits for his various projects and schemes. Incredibly, Gonna Make You Sweat is not the first time Martha Wash didn't immediately get credit for a big Clavillis and Cole hit. You're my one and only true love. Parentheses, you're my one and only, close parentheses, true love, was a big hit in 1989 for the trio Seduction, which did not include Martha Wash, even though Martha Wash sang almost all of it. Martha recorded the song Gonna Make You Sweat ostensibly as a demo. Court documents later suggested she got paid less than a thousand bucks to do this. There's a great 2014 Rolling Stone profile of Martha Wash where she says, I was told it was going to be a demo for another singer. Also Incredibly. Gonna Make You Sweat was not even the best pop house radio hit with uncredited lead vocals by Martha Wash released in 1990. This honor would go instead to Everybody, Everybody by the Italian group Black Box, who slapped a model slash singer on the cover of their album Dreamland, even though Martha sang uncredited lead vocals on basically all of it. I was a bit of a sad loner in junior high as a 12-year-old or whatever. Everyone was. I understand that now. I was not aware of that at the time. I did not own Dreamland on cassette. That would have made me cooler. But I'd hear everybody, everybody on my little boombox radio, say on my pop radio station's Saturday night dance party, while I'm sitting in my room Looking at my cool, see-through, touch-tone phone. Might have bought that at Spencer Gifts at the mall. And the phone wouldn't ring, because I was a loner. And I just listened to everybody, everybody, which seemed to describe a party at which one could find everybody except me. I'm fine now. Thanks. It was dismaying. It is continually dismaying to learn how rad pop hits like this are often made. Frankenstein together. Key players getting ripped off or cut out altogether. I did own the Technotronic cassette, pump up the jam. Technotronic were from Belgium and they put a model on the cover also, though that whole deal wasn't as acrimonious. If you want maximum Frankenstein pop hit chaos, The Power by the German group Snap has a Genesis convoluted enough to sustain a 15-minute read, cue point article, on medium that I highly recommend, even if it requires a flow chart. what well, with all the samples, the wrappers, the new versions. Shout out, Chill Rob G. This is an aside and beneath all of us, but I have a minor quibble with the cover of the vinyl single version, the 45 of The Power which is that the font they use for the words, the power, make it look like the boner. It's a typographical issue. The P and the O are so close together that it looks like a B, and then the W in power is kind of cut off, so it looks like an N. I had not previously meditated on how similar the words power and boner could be. Visually, really makes you think. I'm not the first person to point this out, but I am the most amused by it. This is the stupidest thing (laughs) That I've ever burn it, that that burn it, it, I got the boner. <laughs> it's getting, it's getting, it's getting kind of awkward. I am forty-two years old. Anyway, Martha Wash's various indignities are straightforward. By comparison, there's a great stereogum article from 2019 about everybody, everybody, and the lawsuits Martha Wash filed against both Black Box and CNC Music Factory, which helped change the industry paradigm from anonymous session player to fully credited feature performer. Martha Wash would get her due, would get her Rolling Stone profile, would get, in retrospect, the lion's share of the acclaim for these songs as they popped up on Best of the Decade lists and whatnot. Is that better? for Martha, ultimately, than getting to be MTV famous at the time, you'd have to ask her. Maybe don't ask her.
1: This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of To find coupons and start an instant online estimate. Visit jiffy This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. We're not all professional athletes, but we all have health goals. That's why Anytime Fitness gives you access to personalized plans and support from a coach. Plus, you can track your training, nutrition, and recovery progress with the Anytime Fitness app, just like the pros. With 24-7 access to more than 5,000 gyms worldwide, Get more from your gym membership. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, restrictions, all apply. See website for details. This episode is brought to you by Atlassian. Atlassian software like Jira, Confluence, and Trello help power global collaboration for all teams so they can accomplish everything that's impossible alone. Because individually, we're great, but together, we're so much better. Learn how to unleash the potential of your team at Atlassian.com, A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N.com, Atlassian. Tap the banner or visit this episode's page to learn more.
0: I should add that Zelma Davis sings a great deal elsewhere on the Gonna Make You Sweat album. That's really her on the hook to things that make you go, hmm, for example. I feel bad for Zelma, all the apologizing, all the I can really sing and have talent protesting she had to do. So I've done 12 episodes of this show so far, and I'll tell you what I hate. I hate when we reach the here's all the bad stuff that happened after their big hit portion of our program. We got to bust this format. We got to change the narrative. I'm working on it, but I can't change history. I'm not a magician, and I'm obliged to inform you of the following. After the lawsuits, Martha Wash became an actual member of CNC Music Factory publicly for the group's second album, 1994's Anything Goes, exclamation point, which it will not surprise you to learn was not a success on the same scale as its predecessor. Freedom Williams is long gone. It's just Clavillis and Cole on the album cover now. The lead single was called Do You Want to Get Funky? and featured Martha Wash and Zelma Davis and Trilogy. I have heard Do You Want to Get Funky in full exactly once in my life. Caught it on MTV. I've listened to this song once, and yet my brain took the liberty of committing to memory a few bars from the rapper they got to replace Freedom Williams. Specifically, these bars.
2: I got the power to freak it more than an hour. With so much mad funk, I need a shower.
0: I got the power to freak it more than an hour. With so much mad funk, I need a shower. This pops into my head, let's say six times a year. Doesn't happen often. But it happens consistently. This is not part of the bad stuff that happened, unfortunately. David Cole died in 1995 of complications from spinal meningitis. Robert Clovilis kept the CNC Music Factory name alive or tried to. But per that 2016 Vice article, Freedom Williams swooped in to trademark the name in 2005 and went on to tour as CNC Music Factory. The Vice article includes a flyer for the Gonna Make Australia Sweat Tour. I'm sorry I missed that. At least back then, Clavillis was mulling over legal action. Is it fun, ultimately, to explore the sordid and Machiavellian and often quite tragic histories of frivolous pop songs like this? Are we better off not knowing? Is ignorance really bliss? Frivolity is definitely bliss. You know, it's another great frivolous dance pop song from an eccentrically dressed group of people released in 1990. D. Light's Groove is in the Heart. Is in the heart. Is in the heart. At junior high dances, I just walk the perimeter of the dance floor in the gym, being way too nervous to approach any girls to the tune of Grooves in the Heart. D-Light played Saturday Night Live, and I still remember the way Roseanne Barr, who was hosting that episode, said D-Light in a very blithe, Roseanne Barr sort of way. They didn't even play Grooves in the Heart on SNL because they had integrity But to this day on Twitter or Slack or whatever, to express happiness, to express delight when my sports team wins or whatever, I often just drop in a link to the Groove is in the Heart video. I bet that song and D-Light as a whole has a fascinating, sordid Machiavellian and maybe even tragic history. Let's not find out. My guest today is Craig Seymour, longtime critic and author who's currently working on a book called When Ghetto Fabulous Went Pop, The Inside Story of 90s R&B. Craig, thank you so much for being here today. Thanks so much for having me. Oh, absolutely. I I really wanted to talk to you about first of all the prehistory of C and C Music Factory. Like I think Martha Wash's deal is pretty well known at this point, but I'm curious about the scene that Clavillis and Cole came out of. Like, do you have a sense in late eighties New York City nightlife that everyone was chasing some kind of huge breakout mainstream pop success? Like
2: was gonna make you
0: sweat always the plan?
2: I mean, not really. I was there, I mean, I used to <laughs> in the late eighties. I was in New York, I was you know going to all the clubs, and I was part of the scene, and it was all very much kind of like um freestyle. And then it kind of transitioned into house. And Better Days was a black gay club near Times Square. And that's where Robert Clavillaz used to DJ. And David Cole, who grew up in Tennessee playing piano in the church, he started going to Better Days and um, playing keyboards over the records that Robert Clavillaz was playing. And then that's kind of how they came together. And, I mean just speaking generally for the scene i mean i think there was a certain extent of once madonna broke out of that new york dance scene right. that it was kind of like people thought that that was a possibility i mean i think she maybe expanded the parameters but with cnc what would happen more often is that top dj's would get remixing gigs and so the, you know all the pop hits would have remixes while well, cnc Got a long way doing um, remixes, but at a certain point, they were like, "Hey, we want to be the stars. We want to do," yeah. and that's when um, CNC Music Factory came along. So I can't say that that was really a goal for everybody, but it was just kind of a way of not being marginalized just as remixers,
0: right? I, from within the scene, was it evident to you that like they could be stars? Like if you were going to tab like the breakout artists at that club in that scene,
2: is that they who you would have picked? Well, see, they weren't really artists, that's the thing. It's like, it was like all of a sudden you you would go from, they would remix like a big Natalie Cole record or be producing Mm -hmm. Liz Torres, one of the um, big house divas and stuff. And then like all of a sudden they had this project and like this big glossy (laughs) video and like they were in it and everything. So it was really kind of shocking. It was very, very different from what people were doing at the time or what anybody in the kind of DJ scene, dance scene was doing at the time.
0: Right. For people in that scene, like, is it dismaying when a song like gonna make you sweat becomes this gigantic crossover hit? Like, is it is a song that gets that big inherently sort of compromised and diluted from the scene it came out of?
2: I mean, not re- in some cases, yes, in some cases no. I mean, that song always was coming from that pop hip yeah. house sort of mm-hmm. thing. And hip house You know, it's always been big, like, in Jersey, Queen Latifah had a hip house song on her first album, um, Mm Coming to My House, and things like that. So that was kind of within that lane. And then the other thing is that um, when a record like Gonna Make You Sweat came out, you know, it would come out with a billion remixes. And so it was like, the underground dance community would be kind of served by one of those remixes. And there were a lot of times, because I always went, you know, mostly went out to clubs and just listened to club music. There were a lot of times, like, I would hear a song on the radio, and wouldn't even recognize that that was, like, a song that I knew, and was, like, a big song. So, I mean, the big surprised with that record i think was seeing the way it was visualized in the you know in the video and when yeah. seeing it on mtv and it was so stylized and so it's just so different um and it seemed to have a budget where most dance stuff at the time really was low budget so that's the thing that was um shocking i mean there are other instances with let's say like a cc C. penison finally where that right, starts right. within the clubs and then by the time mm. that gets really big people in the club community are just so sick of it, you know, so it's less not liking the song than just, <laughs> right. oh my God, you know. It's um played out, yeah. Yeah, but um, David Cole and Robert Clavillas had so much credibility inside right. the community that I don't think anybody was mad at them trying to make a buck. Do
0: you have a personal favorite crossover hit from this era? Like, I understand why Gonna Make You Sweat is way bigger historically
2: than Everybody, Everybody, but like Everybody,
0: Everybody is still definitely my favorite.
2: Well, I, just, I love Martha Wash's voice, so, you know, mm-hmm. I, I would say, um, if it's not everybody, everybody for me, it would be like, I don't know anybody else, you know, I, right. one of the black box things sure. that it you off. really... Yeah. Yeah. Except that has that corny rap on it. I would, I'm not a big <laughs> hip house person. Let me just say that in advance. Sure, like, I, sure. I'm not, I've like searched my life. Like, I'm not sure I ever f- I found like a great strike it up mix that doesn't have any of the rap. Okay. You know, that's been sort of something I've been on a journey for. The Holy for Grail. Yeah. Since, you know, like the early 90s. But um, yeah, you know, I, I think Finally is a really great record. Um, mm-hmm. I think the Delight album is a really great album. Yeah. Yeah. I get Soul to Soul. I think those are really great, authentic dance records. So um, all of those things work for me. I was going to
0: actually ask you about the rapping from this era, which I'm fascinated by. Like, Gonna Make You Sweat, Groove Is In The Heart, The Power. Like, are we underrating, if not the technique, then just the impact that those rappers had in, like, helping rap become mainstream pop? No, I
2: think you're underrating it just appropriately. (laughs) 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 <laughs> yeah. Because okay. I really think that the way that hip, rap was being used on hip house records was still very much in the vein of rap being a novelty. Mm-hmm. You know, right, so you right. have, it was almost like the same thing as, as rap being in like a serial commercial or something, you know, it was, it had that <laughs> degree of authenticity. <laughs> you know what yeah. I mean? Like, um, at the same time, I mean, there were legitimate, like, hardcore rappers, like with mm-hmm. like the Big Daddy Canes and right, the Cool right. um, G Raps and the Rakems and all this kind of stuff. That's very different than what Freedom Williams was doing, <laughs> you know, that was, <laughs> or Turbo B or just yeah. Yakid K. I mean, that, right. they were doing, you know, the the one difference there, the one sort of exception is Q-Tip on Groove Is In The Heart. Because, yeah. of course, a Tribe Called Quest was right. a very legitimate Respected hip hop group, but everybody else, you know, <laughs> might as well have been Vanilla Ice. Really, right, you know, yes.
0: best case scenario is Vanilla Ice. That's yeah. that's dark, but it's it's the truth. Uh, at the <laughs> at the time these songs were on the chart, like how aware were you of the Martha Wash controversy and like the convoluted history of a song, like the power? Like did these backstories affect the way that you heard the songs?
2: Well, see, I was born in the '60s, so we're talking about I was in my early 20s at the time so i was very aware and i was a big sylvester fan so Mm -hmm. and therefore i was a big and martha wash and izora they were his background group two tons of fun and -hmm. then they became the weather girls and so a lot of people know it's raining men from that and then they split up and went their separate ways and martha wash did a lot of session work so i mean I know two tons of fun songs that are classic, like underground disco songs, like "Just Us." So mm-hmm. I, ins- I immediately knew that was Martha Wash's voice. There right. was no question that that was Martha Wash's voice. Um, I guess because we're talking about back in the day where dance music was largely through um, twelve inches, and mm-hmm. they really didn't have pictures on them most of the time. White so labels, so it wasn't right, really yeah. a big deal to like connect a face with the name of the artist and dance music was always so production driven so it was no surprise to hear to know a singer and see a different group name and then hear that same singer on another and none of them would have pictures because that was just the market it was 12 inches you know their videos weren't being made it just really didn't matter what it was called or who was actually in it
0: yeah. Uh, in a universe where Martha Wash is in the Gonna Make You Sweat video, where she's on the album cover, like she's on stage at the VMAs, like she's the face of the chart-topping C&C Music Factory from the beginning. Does that Martha Wash become a legit pop star in her own right? Or was she always destined, do you think, to be more of this sort of closely guarded secret?
2: I honestly think they could have made it work. I mean, they could have, I mean, now all of this just Starting off, yes, it's sexist and it's unfair mm-hmm. to black women in music and just understanding all of that. But within those parameters, um, there were women that didn't kind of fit the sort of thin white stereotype that had dance hits and stuff like that. They would just cut the video a certain way. So I think they could have done it. I mean, I honestly think that just knowing so much about the stories and everything like that. Like, it really does make sense to me that Martha Wash just went in and cut a bunch of songs with them and got the check because Mm -hmm. a lot of session singers do that, and it's easy. You know, I wrote a book on Luther Vandross, and he talked about a period of his career where he wasn't really trying to be a part of a group because he didn't want to have to, like, take the pictures and do the interviews and tour Mm -hmm. and all the stuff you have to do. He was fine just showing up in the studio singing a couple of la-la-las or just like doing yeah. a demo vocal and getting the check and going home and living his life. So I don't really know that Martha Wash has ever been pressed to the fact of like, did you really want to be in a group at that right. point? Was that really something that you wanted to do in any of these cases? I think, as with most things, once money comes into it and once a great deal of money comes into it, <laughs> mm-hmm. then obviously it becomes an issue. But otherwise, I think from a perspective of that she's probably thinking she's going to make more money from the initial check for the sessions than she would ever from royalties because royalties are so small yeah. and these record companies most of the dance record companies w- were really independent and stuff and then with black box that was like an italian company i mean right. lord knows when she would ever have received those actual <laughs> royalties right. of the accounting so she's probably making you know and i want to speak for her but she's probably making the calculation that one good check for a studio session was going to yield more money than yeah. you know some drip trap royalties from overseas were ever going to bring. But then once it becomes this big thing, yeah. of course, like anybody else, you would be like, "Well, now wait a minute! I didn't know this was going to be a hit." You know? <laughs> that changes the calculation. Yeah, you described
0: yourself to me as a David Cole fan, which I don't hear mm-hmm. often. Like people love songs that he worked on, but he's rarely the focal point. Like what typifies the David Cole sound?
2: for you well that's just coming from kind of like just really have knowing his background and following his career from the very beginning and he had a record in 88 his own just a solo record called take my breath away where he sings and he plays piano and i think what's so great about david cole is just that he really represents authentic house music and where it came from you know he grew up playing piano in the church Mm. and house music has that kind of um church-type feel in the sense of the way people took to it. It almost like, you know, you'd go to house clubs and a great house party, and it almost but have a revival-like feel, and people right. would be kind of spiritually nurtured by this right. kind of music. So David had all of that, but the other interesting thing about David is that, like, let's say a Mariah Carey record, right? You would think when he started to work with Mariah, when he and Robert Clavis started working with Mariah... You would think that that would really be a kind of pop thing, but he would always kind of put in little touches that the dance community would know. It ultimately got mm. him in trouble because it got him sued a couple of times, <laughs> for example. <laughs> Too authentic, yeah. Yeah, but like on Make It Happen, anybody that knows Alicia Myers, I want to thank you, instantly knew that that's what was being evoked on the mm-hmm. album version of that song. And so, you know, it's almost like knowing a secret. So to be a part of the dance music community, and you hear this song by this big pop artist done by Colin Liz and you know that they're yeah. kind of speaking to you in this one melodic way. And the remix of Make It Happen that they did has the melody line from Dr. Love, which is a huge song by a group called First Choice, which is a huge underground dance record. So just having being able to work with these big acts, but to always have these kind of touches that nodded to Mm -hmm. the um, underground dance community, that's just something I've always admired.
0: Uh, Craig, this has been awesome. Thank you so much for being here, man. Sure. Thanks very much to our guest, Craig Seymour. Thanks to our producers, Justin Sales and Isaac Lee. And thanks to you, as always, for listening. And now, without further ado, here's the CNC Music Factory with Gonna Make You Sweat, Everybody Dance Now. We'll see you next time.
2: This episode is brought to you by State Farm.